Oh, good morning. Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't trip my couple of buttons. Oh, it's on. Oh, it's on. Good morning, everybody. You ready to do some, some worshiping this morning? You know, the, the world tries to steal your joy, doesn't it? You know? But uh, I like the way this guy puts it in this song. He says, I, I, uh, he says I, got, I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation, and it's beautiful. My heart is overflowing because I've been restored. There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. How about that? Let's sing. There's revival. Let me try that again. Can we try that again? Might help if I do what key we were in. There's revival and spring, like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the real gospel song. Oh, what you do? You 
beloved and not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Our identity is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? I am who he says I am. I want to just be the image of what he wants me to be. His version of me. Isn't that great? God we serve. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus. Who has the power to raise the dead? Who can save us from our sins? He is our hope, our righteousness. Come on, sing it. Who can make the blind to see? Who holds the key that set us free? Who made it all to bring us peace? His name. Oh, 
Lord, thank you, God, for saving us. It's not based on what we have done. It's not determined by how good we are, not even because we deserve it. No, our salvation is completely the result of your overwhelming love for us, a gift. We, we just sang, I call your name, and you heard my cry, but the truth is that you are constantly meeting our needs before we are even aware of them. Oh, God, thank you for knowing us. Thank you, God, for loving us. Yes, and thank you, God, for saving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. We are going through the book of Galatians on Sunday morning. I'm preaching a series through Paul's letter to the Galatians, and we're near the end of the book, and this is the part about the Christian life. How are we to live out the Christian life? Remember, the first part of Paul's letters often is about doctrine, second part about ethics, first part about what to believe, second part about how to behave, first part contains declarative sentences, last part contains imperative sentences. What are we going to do with what we believe? And what we want to see today is that the Christian life is to be lived in the context of a church. We're going to talk about church life today. And church life is to be shared life. God's intention for us is to share our lives with other believers in the context of a local church. We've learned in Galatians that salvation is an individual thing. You personally have to put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the gift of salvation to be saved. Can't do that in a group, and a family doesn't get saved, a community, it's individual. But that doesn't mean the Christian life is to be lived in isolation. The Christian life is to be lived in community in the context of other believers. So we're going to talk about today shared life. Let me compare you to a pistachio nut. Have you ever eaten pistachio nuts? You know, you get a bag of pistachio nuts, and they come in the shell usually, but the shell is cracked open. And so it's easy to open that shell and enjoy the pistachio nut. They're ready to be shared, right? But there's a second type of nut in those bags of pistachio, right? And there are some of those nuts that are not fully open and ready to be shared. Some of them have just a little line, a little slit down them, but you can't prize them open. And what you have to do is get the shell of one of the nuts you've already eaten and jam it in that little crack and twist it a little bit and get it maybe to pop open so that you can eat that nut, right? All right, I want you to be like that nut that is open and ready to be shared. And if you're not, today what I want to do is jam that in there and twist it a little bit and crack you open so that... You will share your life with other believers, okay? So one way I want to encourage you today in the context of this sermon, think about sharing your life with other believers in a local church. In your bulletin today is this bright green sheet called a volunteer interest survey. It's from our nominating team, and they are recruiting leaders and servants for the new church year beginning in August. Now's the time of recruitment for that. And I want to encourage you to take this out of your bulletin sometime today to read over it, to pray about it, and how God would have you serve. Some of you are already serving, but if you're not serving or if you're underserving, would you consider filling this out and place it on the, there's a black box on the Welcome Center, there's one on the way by the library. You can pray about it and bring it back next Sunday if you'd like to, or turn it in today. <clears throat> but 
you need to serve. If you're, you're, you need to serve in some way in the context of a church. That's the way you share your life. Uh, so there, maybe God equips you, you'll have preschoolers or children or adults. Maybe you'll be a teacher. There are places to mark that on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Maybe you're not a teacher, but you have some organization ability, be a leader. Or maybe you're not a leader, but you're a servant. There are all kind of ways of service. Read down through that list of using a gift of service. And so you can check those, what you're interested in. You're not making a commitment. Somebody will talk with you, call you within coming weeks, let you know what's involved. You can decide if that is something that fits you. But, we, we, but I want to crack open your pistachio nut a little bit here today that you would consider serving in the church. Now, for most of these, you have to be a member. Not all of them. There's some ways you can help around the church. You can sing in the choir. You can be involved in some ministries. You can volunteer. things. But if you're going to work with preschoolers, children, if you're going to teach, you're going to be in an elected position, you have to be a member. So some of you need to join. I want to encourage you to join. You need a commitment to a local church. And uh, so if you've already been baptized by immersion as a sign of your faith in Jesus Christ, you just come forward at the end of this service, and we'll receive you on that statement. If you've not yet been baptized, but you're willing to, you come that I'm willing to be baptized as a sign of my faith, and we'll receive you into membership. So some of you need to, to, to make that move to join. So I'm going to challenge you today to share your life with other believers. Now, in this passage in Galatians, Paul talks about three specific ways that in the context of this serving, joining, shared life, that we're to share our lives. I want to share them with you. Number one, he talks about gently restore those who fall into sin. So what happens when somebody messes up in the church? How are we supposed to respond? Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. The verses before in chapter 5 have told us that the Christian life is to be walking in the Spirit. You remember that? It's like walking in the Spirit. Well, now the, the word here, caught in sin, is a trespass or a misstep. This is the word for sin that means a trespass. You step over the line or you misstep, you know, like you slip. Oh, I slip on some ice. Or what happens when you're trying to walk in the Spirit, but you fall, you slip, you sin, you mess up. How do we respond as a church? What do you do? Do you gossip about them? Hey, did you hear about what so is? Do you ignore them and pull away, lest your reputation be tainted by their sin? Do you, so do you shun them? Do you condemn them? Can't believe somebody did that. Here's what the Bible says that we're to do. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. The interesting, the word restore here, it's the same Greek word in Mark 1.19, where when Jesus came to call James and John, they were mending their nets exact same Greek word here they were restoring their nets nets had gotten torn and they were tying them back together repairing them with rope perhaps they were mending he says we're to take that kind of approach of mending of restoring a redemptive approach so the approach we're to take when somebody messes up in sin is that we're to think about their good and re and redeem them and so he says to restore them gently Phillips translates it quietly. You know, keep it in as small a circle as possible. Unless it's an illegal action that we have to report to, to authority, then you keep it in as small a circle as possible. You try to help that person and take a redemptive approach. Is that our approach in the body of Christ? There's one 
warning he says there in the latter part of verse 1, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So when you're helping with somebody who's fallen into sin, be aware that you're not above that and, and you're to guard your own soul in that regard. I want to tell you a story I think illustrates this. Uh, several years back, the 1998 presidential election, late 1987, the perceived frontrunner for the Democratic nomination was Colorado Senator Gary Hart. And then Gary Hart's campaign got derailed by a scandal with a young woman named Donna Rice. And uh, the press began to report she'd been seen leaving his condo and he put his campaign on hold. And then the National Enquirer, on the front page of their paper, had a picture of Gary Hart on a yacht sailing to the Bahamas with, uh, and by the way, the yacht was named Monkey Business. You don't want to get on a yacht if you're a presidential campaign called Monkey Business. But anyway, Monkey Business, and there was the picture of Donna Rice sitting in the lap of this married senator frontrunner for the presidential campaign. He dropped out of the campaign race. His political career was over. Uh, not many people thought about what happened to Donna Rice or, or cared for her as a person. She was just a political pawn in all of that that brought down the front runner but Donna Rice was a Christian who had fallen who had misstepped into sin Donna Rice says that when she was a freshman in high school she accepted Christ as her savior at a Cliff Barris crusade got in church became very actively involved in a student ministry group sang in a student youth choir went on mission trips was there every Sunday but then when she left high school and went to college, she drifted from the Lord, got involved in things that she shouldn't have, cheerleader at University of South Carolina, beauty queen, but it led her to a path where she wound up on a cruise to the Bahamas with a married senator sitting in his lap. And she lost her job and her reputation was ruined and people shunned her and gossip about her and tried to pay her millions to give her story. People were using her. But there was one friend from that youth group back in high school who reached out to her. And back in the day, back in the 80s, we had what they call cassette tapes. And you could record on a cassette tape. And so this friend recorded some of the songs that they had sung together in their youth group on that cassette tape and recorded this message. Donna, I imagine you're in a lot of pain right now. I just want you to know that God loves you, and I love you. Don't you think that sounds like the spirit of Galatians chapter 6, verse 1? And Donna later wrote, When she began to share songs we used to sing together, I collapsed on the floor of my apartment and sobbed. I knew I and no one else was responsible for my choices. I cried out, God, it took falling on my rear end in front of the whole world to get my attention. Help me to live my life your way. God answered my plea by flooding me with his presence and forgiveness and by surrounding me with Christian fellowship. Donna Rice had been gently restored. Eventually, she went on, and today she is chairman for 20 years of Enough is Enough, uh, an award-winning national organization against bullying and fighting child pornography. She's won awards for her leadership of that from the uh, Law Center for Children and Families. She won the Protector of Children Award, a national award given. Her life could have gone in very different directions, but a high school friend 
fulfill the principle of Galatians 6 1, and she was restored to the church and to Christian service. The Bible says we're to share our life together in the context of a local church. Let us be ready to gently restore those who are caught in sin. Second thing that it says we're to do to express this shared life in the context of a church is to carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Look at verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's a reference to the command we saw it earlier in Galatians 5, to love your neighbor as yourself. It says this, fulfill the law. This is the law of Christ. And you'll fulfill that one way you express love for one another is by helping each other carry burdens that are too heavy for them to carry. So we're to help one another in the church. Now, to do that, first of all, you're going to have to know other people in the church. So that's why you're going to have to get beyond this large group gathering. This is important. This is God's corporate worship. He told us to do this. But you're all right now looking at me. You're sitting in a pew facing me. You need to be then move into a connection group. That's how we're structured so that you turn and you face each other and you talk with one another. And that's our small group of how we're structured to partially carry out this command to carry each other's burdens. And I want to say most of our connection groups are doing a great job at this. There's tremendous ministry. There's tremendous caring. There's tremendous helping of one another. And, but you've got to be in that and know, be known so you can be helped and know others so that you can do what this verse says to help them. Now, let me say that you need, to, in order to do this, we're going to have to go beyond connection groups because connection groups put you in other people with other people in a similar age or life situation. High school students are with high school students. Young 20s are with 20s, 50s are with 50s, and so on. And you're sort of together with people like you, but what about those people that are dislike us? You got, so you gotta have some cross-training. You need to be in some other context in the local church so that you are involved with other people because what about those widows? There's a connection group of widows. They can carry each other's burdens to some extent, but they can't carry all their burdens. And so you need to know some who are of different ages. Or what about a new single that moves to Manchester from another town to take a job here and doesn't know anybody else? Then there needs to be that cross-generational fellowship as well that we can help widows, that we can help young single moms, that we can help one another who maybe are in a different life situation than we are. So you need to be in a CDP class or sing in the choir or teach together in vacation Bible school or go on a mission trip or serve together in some way on that sheet. Those things are going to involve you or come to a chili cook-off or a church picnic or Thanksgiving dinner. You're going to need to do something where you, you connect with people that are different from you so that we can do what this verse says. And then, you're not only going to need to be in those groups like that, but you're going to need to be other-centered. If you're wrapped up in yourself, then you will not be sensitive to and aware of other people's needs if it's all about you. So we're going to have to be other-directed. Crack that pistachio nut open a little bit, you know, there. Now, let me say to you, frankly, that those of you who already have good support structures are going to be the hardest for you to fulfill this command because you're not going to be as sensitive to other people. You don't see the need from that. So if you're a Coffee County native, you've been here and you know everybody, 
you've got a support structure. Or if you're in a family and all your family is here and you've got uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sisters and nephews and all that stuff and you don't see the need for this too much. You're like a Bradford pear that has so many branches that they just split off. There's so many branches, right? But there's some people that move here and they're like a loblolly pine. They don't have any branches, you know? And they need, need that. So if those of you in connection groups like that, you're going to have to become aware of the loblollies. You're going to have to see beyond. Maybe you don't need that support because you got it, you know? So you're not very aware. You're not sensitive to that. But you're going to have to become that way to see that maybe I don't need that help carrying burdens because I got a great support structure. I've lived here 30 years or whatever. But you're going to have to be aware of that recently divorced person, that newly moved person here, that person who needs that help. And that's what we're going to have to do to carry one another's burdens. Now, he gives you a couple of uh, warnings here in regard to this one. Look at the first warning about carrying each other's burdens is in verse 3 and 4. And that is, make sure you don't look down on anybody. Think you're superior or prideful because that'll keep you from being a burden bearer. Verse 3, if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So if you got, you know, if you tend to say, I can't believe she did that. I'd never do anything like that. Oh, that's sort of bad. Don't, don't, you know, that you're putting yourself in superiority. I can't believe they got in that kind of mess. As long as you have that superiority that you would never do something like that, you'd never be in that mess. That's the warning in verses 3 and 4. You're not going to be a good burden barrier when you're looking down on people who are having problems. Now, the other warning is in verse 5 that you don't need to, this burden bearing doesn't mean that you dump responsibility on other people or that you shirk your own responsibility. Verse 5 says, for each one should carry their own load. Now, this can be confusing. Chap verse 2 said, carry one another's burden. This verse says, carry your own load. Well, well which is it? It's, it's even more confusing in the King James Version. It translates both of these as burdens. Verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. Verse 5 says, carry your own burden. Well, what in the world? What are we supposed to do? There are two different words, though. The one in verse 2 means a crushing weight that comes from outside your life. But the word in verse 5 means a normal load. It is used in acts of a ship's cargo. It's translated cargo. It's used of a soldier's pack so that you carry your own pack. Some burdens are to be shouldered and some burdens are to be shared. I've never been in the military, but I would assume that if you whine and say, would you help me carry my pack? They'd say, no, carry your own pack. That's your pack. But then if you get shot, they carry you and your pack, right? That's the difference in these two concepts. There's some burdens. You've you got to take responsibility for your own life. So don't let this shared life in the church mean that you dump responsibility on other people. Have you ever known people who are users? Who just used you? Yes, you have known people who are users. Who, and that's, this is a warning about that. This shared life will cause some people to be a user. Like that commercial. Have you seen that commercial on television where these two guys come to the mailbox and one guy says, hey, neighbor, do you know anybody that does roofing? And he says, well, yeah, I think I do. He says, good, get me two estimates, schedule it for a week from Tuesday. Have you ever seen that commercial? No, apparently not. But, well, that's a dumping responsibility on, on somebody else. There was somebody, uh, there was somebody one time that told me, I don't have any friends I don't have anybody will help me, and I don't know why, and I didn't say anything to them. But I want to tell you what I wanted to say. 
I wanted to say, I can tell you why you don't have friends, because you're a vampire. You suck the life out of everybody you're with, right? Just, we're getting real, we're honest here, right? This verse is talking about that. Each one should shoulder his own load. Now, in the context, when you understand that, then legitimate burdens, those burdens that people have, we're to help people with those crushing weights from outside their life. Carry one another's burdens. The third thing that he says to do in the context of the shared life is share financially with those who instruct you in the word. Verse 6, nevertheless, we talked about each should share, carry his own load. He says, but nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. I like this verse because basically it says you ought to pay your preacher. That's what this verse says, right? Truth is, I probably wouldn't preach on this verse if we didn't come to it in the context of going through Galatians. That's the good thing about preaching through a book because I would say, oh, that's a little self-serving. I'm not going to read that verse. But here it is. We come to it, and so it forces me to deal with it. And it, it's true that part of the shared life is giving. We believe in tithing. We believe in giving financially. About half of your budget of what you give in our offering plates or our drop boxes or give online goes to support those who instruct you in the Word. Staff is a full 50% of our budget. We have six full-time children's and student and worship and pastor and mission pastor who instruct in the Word, and that's God's plan. Some people say, oh, the church has just added all these little... That what, from the beginning, this was God's plan. Let me show you a couple other places here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. If we've shown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have the right of support, shouldn't we? Verse uh, 13, don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar in the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. I'll read to you one more uh, passage that's similar. It's 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So part of that shared life is what you do. You're sharing financially how God has blessed you materially to those who are teaching and leading spiritually, and that's part of the shared life that God intends for us. Are you sharing in the life of a local church in these ways, helping those who are caught in sin, bearing one another's burdens, sharing financially in the work of ministry? That's how God intends the shared life to be. I began by comparing you to a pistachio nut. I want to end by comparing you to a planet in the solar system. Which planet are you in the solar system? Are you like Pluto? Pluto is way out there. It orbits, but, you know, we're not even 100% sure it's a planet. It was a planet for a while, then they said it wasn't a planet, now it's a planet. Is it even a planet? We don't know. Are you a church member? Are you in the church? Out some, we, some of you, we, we don't know. You're just way out there. And, you know, Pluto has this elliptical orbit where it comes close for a while and then it zooms way out and it's gone and it comes back a while for close and it zooms way out and it's gone. Don't be a Pluto. 
And it's cold on Pluto. Did you know that? The average temperature on Pluto is minus 379 degrees Fahrenheit. It's cold. We don't want you to be cold and distant. And we're, we're not even sure if you're a part of the system or not. And you're just out there. We want you to be Venus. Venus in a tight regular orbit close to the sun. Venus Hot, on fire, average temperature 870 degrees in Venus. That's what we want you to be. Don't be a Pluto, be a Venus. In a tight orbit, in a community, sharing life together. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh Lord, as we live out the Christian life, we understand that a big part of what you mean for us to do is share our lives with others. So, Lord, help us to do that. Even now, as we're sort of waiting in the presence of the Spirit, maybe there's somebody that we know that has been caught in sin, and we could reach out to them. Maybe there's somebody who is having a heavy burden, and we've been so caught up in our own lives that we have not helped them carry it. Maybe we have not supported the work of your ministry faithfully, financially, and you're convicting us of that. Oh Lord, help us to share our lives with one another at First Baptist Church for your glory and for our good. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song. If you want to come become a follower of Jesus, we welcome you to come forward. You want to join our church? Welcome to come. Somebody will be here to answer questions. If you have questions, God speaks to your heart. You respond to him. What can I do? What can I do?
just ask that you would uh, bless this offering today. Yes. And we just give you the thanks that you give. Thank you for all the blessings you've given us. Jennifer. Todd, why don't you tell us about tonight's hymn sing taking place here in First Baptist at 530. That's right, yeah. Uh, we, we're part of the Duck River Baptist Association. That's a, a, a bunch of Baptist churches in the Coffee County. Huh? Conglomeration. 
in a big Church. conglomeration of churches. Yes, yes. Uh, in uh, in in the Baptist Association, so it's uh, hundreds of churches or so. I don't know something like that. But um, uh, they we have a, a one like two times a year they have a Sunday night hymn sing, and they have it at different churches. Well, tonight it's at our church, and so our choir is going to be singing. We got a couple of songs. We're going to sing in the choir. I'm going to be leading the hymns. Uh, it'll be our our music people, our musicians. And uh, but then we're also going to have people from other churches come in and sing specials and and some things like that. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, one note is it's 5:30 start instead of our regular six o'clock. So if you come and don't be late. <laughs> so uh, 5:30 tonight it'll be lots of fun. I would love to have a great showing from our from our church, you know, for this because uh, you know that'd be embarrassing. But no, but anyway, you know what I mean. Come on out. We'll see you at 5:30. So don't miss out on our associational sing right here at 5.30. Also, if you uh, have that volunteer interest survey, if you maybe you already know. I've had a couple people already hand them to me uh, and say, here's how I want to serve. If you um, could drop those in those black boxes on your way out, that's a great way for uh, you, know, you to be able to tell us and indicate to us how you want to serve here at the church. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that we're known by you, that we're loved by you. Uh, the truth in that song is, is comforting to know. Lord, help us uh, just to be a community, to, to carry each other's burdens, to gently restore each other, to love each other fully the way you've called us to. God, help us this week to go out and, and just live missionally with a mindset of, of telling others about your goodness, that they can be known and fully loved by you as well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I got it.